Welcome to the second half of The Ron Show for Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Ron Roberts, and you're listening on the America One Radio app or AmericaOneRadio.com. Archived audio, by the way, RonShowATL.com. Uh, show phone number, 404-919-2725. We're on with author, Georgia recorder columnist, Jay Bookman. Uh, Jay, we were talking about that Wrightsville stop that Senator Warnock did and the Curtis Dixon uh, use. He, of course, uh, a former assistant football coach when Herschel was a student at Johnson County High School. You noted the psychological effect it seemed to have on Herschel that Senator Warnock did that visit in his hometown with a packed audience. And I'd even heard rumors that there were some family members of Walker's in attendance. Did this lead to the scheduling situation we saw around Thanksgiving where he just was non-existent, did no appearances, and really kind of sputtered to doing minimal appearances down the stretch? Yeah, but, but uh, it, that too was not unexpected. I mean, I had, my expectation had been that even if Herschel were to get elected, hmm. he would quickly lose interest in the in the office. That he would be a, a, a I, I just couldn't see him hanging around for six years in Washington D.C. going to committee hearings. Um, that is not who that person is. Hmm. Um, he would have been a temporary, you know, maybe served a year or two, and then found a reason that he had to resign. So. I, I don't think his heart was in it from the beginning. He got kind of pushed into it by Trump and lured into it by Trump. And he has said many times he had no idea, no no plans of ever doing this kind of thing. So I think that was more of a reflection of the fact that this wasn't really the sport he grew up wanting to play. We're on with Jay Bookman from the Georgia Recorder. Uh, Jay, do you do you think he and, and Julie just moved back to Texas? I do, yes. Yeah. How long do you think that takes? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> How quickly can you pack a carpet bag? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I noticed that you were watching MSNBC last night. I, believe it or not, do not watch a whole lot of cable television news, but I too was watching MSNBC. And there was a point where Chris Hayes was just glowing on about Raphael Warnock and his future and what this means for him. And I thought it was pretty prescient that Michael Steele kind of put the ice on that. Did you catch that as well? I did. I did. I like you. I don't normally watch cable news of any sort, because uh, it never tells me anything I, I need to know, but tells me a lot of things I don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I tweeted a lot of what was that MSNBC was projecting about Georgia politics didn't seem well informed about Georgia politics. but And that was one example. I don't think, I mean, who knows what the future holds, but mm-hmm. um, Warnock is an excellent candidate, but he was r- running against a very highly flawed candidate. Right. So projecting from this to a run for the White House is premature at best. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I, I feel like it's like gloating that Finland, you know, won a bobsled race against the Jamaicans uh, and talking about how great Finland was. Um, yeah, but you were up against the Jamaican bobsled team. So right. there is that. I, wasn't Herschel on a bobsled team? One, he, was. <laughs> no, yes, he was. That's funny that that comes up. Uh, um, yeah. And then I, I think there was a CNN puff piece that came out as well that talked about, you know, the rising star that is Raphael Warnock. And listen, I, I agree with you. He's a good candidate. And Quentin Folks, his campaign manager, ran a fantastic campaign. But I, I just I think we're putting too many eggs in. The, it, it just screams that the left is looking for that next rising star. And anytime somebody has a good night... Ooh, that's the one. I mean, it was it was uh, the 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 new Pennsylvania governor just four weeks ago. We were hanging our, our casting our lot in you know in his basket, and now it's it's Raphael Warnock. Does that not just kind of scream for the the need to see the next person in waiting now? 
Sure, and it's also exactly, and you can make the same observation about uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Mm. Um, and Whitmer ran against a highly flawed can, uh, uh, candidate. Uh, Shapiro in Pennsylvania mm. ran against Mastriani, mm-hmm. uh, again a very highly flawed candidate. I don't think you can. There's always a tendency in politics to project from a narrow set of circumstances, mm-hmm. a, a specific set to specific to time, place, candidate. Project from that some broad overarching uh, lesson, and I don't play that game. I don't think that's a good way, to, useful way to think about things. Do you, uh, however, look at this now and say that, you know what, uh, we've talked a lot about how light the bench is for the Democratic Party. Does it not now we can look at this and say, well, maybe we do have a deeper bench than we thought? Well, you've got two two, can- two people in, in uh, Ossoff and, and Warnock hmm. who will be in the Senate for, you know, God willing, for a minimum of four years, and they'll be building a a reputation and, and uh, an image and a brand in that time frame. So they are now established political figures in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're not the bench. They're, they're the ones who are out there actually on the field playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bench benches those are those who who aren't there out on the field playing. And as we've talked before, I think Georgia does have a a, a lot of a strong bench. Ten years ago, you'd say the the Democrats had no bench, and they mm-hmm. because they didn't. Yeah. Um, now you, I think you'd have to wonder what the Republican bench is. You know, Chris Carr, I guess, Attorney General, he would be in line to run for either Senate or replace Camping as governor in four years. Mm. Um, but other than that, I mean, you're, you know, Raffensperger's career is, is he's hit his peak. So I, I don't know that the I would rather have the Democrats bench right now than the Republicans. Bench. Mm, that's fascinating. All right, last question: Where does this leave Stacey Abrams and her future in politics, or is there one? Um, for the time, for the foreseeable future, she has no. There's no outlet for her in elective politics. Mm. If uh, she could be appointed to a cabinet secretary position, mm-hmm. or you know, a sub cabinet, you know, some something high profile. Uh, position in Washington, but it would be appointed. There just isn't a, an opening for her in Georgia um, in the foreseeable future. I don't think another run for governor is, is and uh, that's four years from now. And she's, so I don't think a third run for governor is probably not wise. So she's got to find another avenue. Um, yeah, I think, I think we agree there. Uh, I, the, the last campaign to me was just runs in, with so many flaws. It, it just, and, and honestly, I think a lot of folks on the left and center left gave Brian Kemp a pass because he's not he's not Donald Trump. He just and he wasn't a Trump pick. So there's that. All right. Right. I mean, um, Warnock won. Where, where Democrats did well this time was against people who whose loyalty to Trump was unquestionable, and people reacted poorly to those people. Absolutely. Um, Kemp is a very conservative governor, but he he bought himself a lot of leeway by. Refusing to play along with Trump uh, on overturning the election, uh, I think that, the, in hindsight, the Stacey lost the race right there. The hope among Democrats, I think, was that Purdue would do better than he did, and that that uh, division within the Republican Party would last into the general election. And and Kemp handled that challenge very quickly and adeptly, and Purdue walked away with his tail between his legs. Um, so he was able to unite the party. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Brian Kemp, uh, what his future stock is uh, within the party. I mean, I, I, I think before 
this cycle, I would have said, yeah, he he probably win re-election again, and that'll be that for him. But now it seems like his stock is rising. It is, but I I don't think the if you look t- two years from now is when the I don't think he can he can run a credible campaign for the presidential nomination mm. in the party again because it would be too too harsh a contrast uh, his his anti his perceived feud his feud with Trump he's not going to be able to unite the national party the way he was able to mm-hmm. the Georgia party uh, so I don't think he has a future as president. But in four years from now, if we can assume he has a successful second term as governor, then he will be ready to run against Ossoff yeah. for the Senate. And I think that's where he would be aiming his ambitions at this moment. John Ossoff, who, by the way, is quietly getting a lot of stuff done and on a bipartisan measure as well. I, I, I kind of see his stock is rising myself, but that's just me. I do too. I, I think yeah. he's. I think both of them are are handling their situation wisely, and and uh, their images, you know, they're 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 doing well. They're uh, running a running a good campaign, even though they're not campaigning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's always a campaign. <laughs> they're always yeah, campaigning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Jay Bookman, author and Georgia recorder, columnist, and contributor. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate that. No problem. Have a good day. Let's turn now to Melita Easters with the Georgia Win List, also one of the regular pundits on Fox 5's The Georgia Gang. Melita. How are you? Did you get some sleep last night? Are we well rested now? I did. I did. But um, thank you for asking. It was a, a hairy, scary night at <laughs> times. But when you were monitoring the big counties, the big metro counties, and what percentage of their votes were still out, you had a level of assurance that the people watching certain TV stations did not have. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My friend Daryl, who lives in uh, metro New Orleans, was texting me as you know, the thing kept going back and forth. And he goes, I'm, I'm a little worried about this. I said, don't worry, man. I said, I'm looking at DeKalb County and they're not even in. And Fulton County was barely in. I said, the numbers are there. We just have to wait for it. And, you know, I'm a I'm a big Kornacki guy. Uh, first of all, I think he's kind of handsome. Second of all, he's just really good at breaking down the numbers. And his, he was, as the counties were coming in, he kept pointing out how Walker was falling short in the counties that he needed to exceed in. And so, I don't know. I, I yes, like he he is the best mm-hmm. on knowing what he's talking about and mm-hmm. and bringing that knowledge in an understandable way. So I wanted to ask you, because uh, I, I know that uh, reproductive choice is uh, a big part of the Georgia Win List mission. What does Warnock's securing that 51st seat in the U.S. Senate do for the discussion about codifying Roe v. Wade? Is there a chance that there might be some sort of a lame duck passage or anything like that? I think it will be not necessarily lame duck, but for this but it certainly secures in the new Senate, in the new session of Congress, Senate support, not only for codifying Roe v. Wade or some federal ruling about abortion so that the states are not all willy-nilly all over the map with mm-hmm. different kinds of regulations, but it also gives a more um, assured passage of Joe Biden's judicial nominees. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very important part of it. And and so for that reason, win list, while we don't endorse men, we don't endorse in federal races, we certainly made our audience aware of how important the election of Senator Raphael Warnock 
would be for that core part of our mission, reproductive freedom. And that is a big deal. I, I pointed out a, a lot of that uh, leading up to the election when there were a lot of sentiment about turnout on the left. Oh, we've already got the Senate. We don't need to worry about this. No, no, no. This this is well, good for judicial Senate, appointments. The Senate, it's the judicial appointments. It's having enough so that the committees, they're mm -hmm. no longer under a power sharing agreement. Yeah, exactly. The committees are no longer split. Even Stephen, Democrats will have the majority on every committee which gives them subpoena power. Also, this frees up, and I think this is an underestimated part of this uh, equation, this frees up the vice president now to go do vice presidential things as opposed to sticking around the Senate chambers if and when needed for a tie-breaking vote. Well, there's that, there's that, but it also gives you the cushion of one vote mm -hmm. for dealing with a wild card like cinema or mansion. Mm, that's true. And the other, the other thing is, you know, in a body that skews far older than the general population, mm -hmm. you're always, both in the House and the Senate, but in the Senate in particular, you're one heart attack or stroke away from complete chaos yeah. if someone passes away while in office. And right now in the United States House, you have two seats awaiting special elections. Hmm. That's right. Just as in the Georgia House, you just you have a special election coming up. You just had one for um, a seat in Augusta, and you have one coming up for Speaker Ralston's seat um, in January. You're right. So when you have these very tight margins, you you have to keep your your side of the majority healthy. That's a, a, a note well taken. So speaking of close uh, uh, close votes and close numbers, we were kind of holding our breath a little bit while the roller coaster ride uh, went to its fruition last night. And a lot of folks outside of Georgia came away asking, why was it this close? Those of us in Georgia, we kind of understand it. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on like why the race was as close as it was? Well, I think that we forget the absolute name recognition that Herschel Walker has with his football um, career. And there are so many people who are so appreciative of that national championship decades ago yeah. and of his Heisman Trophy that they're willing to overlook any and everything else mm. because we are truly a football culture state. And so it's hard for people in outside the South to understand how much that, that, that football culture is a pervasive influence of Southern culture. Mm. I mean, so many women plan weddings in the fall around the football schedule. Gay men too. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, my oldest cat's named Herschel. You don't have to explain this to me. And and the the little one is named Dooley. So I mean, you're right. It's uh, the the culture is pervasive. Absolutely. We're on with Melita Easters of the Georgia Win List, also a recurring pundit guest on the Georgia Gang Sundays, eight thirty a.m. on Fox Five. So we'll have more with her after the break. Stand by. I want to ask her what color: blue, red, periwinkle. Georgia is on The Ron Show on the America One Radio app and on AmericaOneRadio.com.
Follow the show, please, at RonShowATL on Twitter. You can also call in or leave us a text message or voicemail if you'd like. 404-919-2725. Back after this. 